0: Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church. As I am recording this, it is Holy Week and we are moving into Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, the day where we celebrate that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, resurrected, and provided the resurrection to all of us that we may live forever in God's presence. And there's something we do at this time. He is risen. That's right. He is risen indeed. We are also finishing out our study of the gospel according to Mark. And today we are looking at Mark chapter 16. To give you a refresh, if this is the first time you're watching a message from us and you're jumping in on the eighth week of an eight-week series on the gospel of Mark, I'm going to give you a quick recap. We began looking at the character of Jesus, Jesus Christ as king. The character of that king is then deepened as Jesus reveals he is a suffering king, a servant-hearted king who has come to this earth in authority to lay it down to reclaim his people. And in it, we saw the introduction of Jesus in Galilee, performing miracles, demonstrating his authority, and then three chapters of Jesus declaring his suffering and his servant-hearted nature. Then six chapters of Jesus moving into Jerusalem, being welcomed in Jerusalem, moved to the cross to die for the sins of the world, and then finishing in Mark 16 with the resurrection. The final chapter of Mark is wild. It's wild, not quite in what it tells us, but in what it doesn't tell us. Jesus isn't even in the final chapter of Mark. He's not there. He doesn't show up at all in Mark chapter 16. Women come looking for Jesus in Mark 16. They believe that he's dead and they've come to mourn and to bring some burial spices over his body for someone that they loved. And they're worried about a stone and whether they're going to be able to move it. They arrive at the tomb. The stone is gone, but so is Jesus. And into this moment is both wonder and fear at what is happening. Let's dive into the final chapter of Mark together. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Just as he told you before he died, the women fled the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. That's it. That's the resurrection story in Mark and how his 16-chapter biography of Jesus' life ends. Quick recap, if you weren't paying attention. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, some of Jesus' most devoted followers, the ones who provided for him in Galilee and were financial benefactors, the same women who watched Jesus die in crucifixion on Friday, who followed him and saw where his dead body was laid to rest, are now, at the first moment they can, after the Sabbath, at first light, they have come to honor him and bring burial spices over his body." They're worried about the stone, but when they look, it's already been moved aside. Without hesitation, they dive into the tomb to find out what's going on. These women are devoted, persistent, brave disciples of Jesus, but apparently... They are not prepared for what they see inside the tomb, an empty space where the body of Jesus should be laid, and next to where the body is, a young man in white clothing who tells them that Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's gone to Galilee. And Mary, Mary, and Salome, these most devoted, persistent, and brave disciples, are frozen in fear and awe. The young man gives them these instructions. One, Do not be afraid. Two, go and tell others about what you see here. And what they do is they are afraid and they go and they tell no one about what happens. That's the end of the gospel according to Mark. That's Mark 16, verse 8. The end. Are you feeling dissatisfied by the resurrection story in Mark and how it ends? Or maybe you're scratching your head thinking we missed something along the way. Or perhaps you have your own Bible out or you have the app up on your own phone and you're thinking to yourself, hey, Pastor Brian, hey, video guy talking to me right now. There's more to this chapter here. There are more words. There's a further story. You stopped at verse 8, but there's still verses 9 through 20. What's going on here? You're not alone as you see that. The earliest manuscripts of the Gospel according to Mark end at verse 8, and any manuscripts we have later that include verses 9 through 20 come hundreds of years later, and almost every scholar of the last 100 years all agree that the original ending of Mark ends at verse 8. In most Bibles, you'll see brackets after verse 8 and before verse 9. Or you'll see one sentence there explaining what I just said, that the earliest manuscripts don't have it. Or maybe even it's in italics or it's smaller than the rest of the text. All of this is to let you know these latter verses, while helpful and and in many ways true because they echo what happens in the other Gospels, are not the original intent of the Gospel writer Mark. That's why verses 9 through 20 actually sound like they're clipped from the other gospel stories of Luke, John, and Matthew. That's because they probably are. And a couple hundred years later, they took them and pieced them at the end of Mark because they read these eight verses and felt like they needed to explain more than Mark explained. They felt like it was dissatisfying and they had to fix it. They show us, and this little gap here shows us, that for 1,800 years, we humans have been the same. We are uncomfortable with ambiguity. We are uncomfortable when we don't understand everything and it's not laid out for us. Another way to say it, we are uncomfortable when our life requires faith and trust when we don't understand. As the author of Hebrews says it in chapter 11, verse 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. In the original trustworthy ending of the Gospel of Mark, it ends with a lot of room for faith and explanation. What does Jesus reveal himself? What does he want from us? What is he going to do next? All of these are left open-ended at the end of this story. Some people actually think the full ending of Mark was either torn out at some point or lost or that Mark even may have died in the middle of writing the ending of his story, which says we are more comfortable killing off Mark than we are accepting that the story has an ambiguous ending. The gospel of Mark literally ends with fear and silence. Two things in the church we're not always very comfortable with. And here's what I want us to reflect on this Easter. And there's two simple truths, and we're going to begin with this one. Embrace the wonder and mystery of the resurrection embrace the wonder and the mystery of it, that we can't fully explain it or reach the depth of exactly what God did and how and why, and that Jesus Christ rising from the dead, Jesus Christ defeating the laws of entropy and physics, Jesus Christ overcoming the nature of our world shows us that our God is a God of wonder and mystery. The women were shocked as they entered the tomb and saw that Jesus' body was gone. Even as is explained by the angel, they leave frightened and overwhelmed by what's happening. The resurrection is an upending of how the world works. The resurrection is a change of reality. The resurrection is an invitation to embrace God's wonder and mystery. In the resurrection, we learn that Jesus Christ is stronger than death and that his love is richer than the grave. If we want more clarity on what the resurrection was and is and how it affects us, Paul explains this and wrestles with this in a letter to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he lays out what the resurrection means, how it plays out for us and what the future will be like, but we're not going to dive into that today because We have none of those explanations in the Gospel of Mark. All we see is that God is at work, that Jesus who was dead is alive, and that he has more work to do, and he wants us to join him in that work. That's what Mark emphasizes at the end of his story about Jesus and his resurrection. Mark pushes us. As we discover Jesus, all throughout the 16 chapters, we learn, like peeling back the layers of an onion, more about the character of Jesus. We see in the beginning, this man coming in with authority, ambiguous and mysterious, but we learn that he has power. We learn that he has power over spirits and over physical bodies and over our physical world. We learn that he has authority like a king as royalty on this earth. And then we learn that as royalty, he's come to suffer and die. He's come to lay his life down. And then in the final chapters, we see him handing over authority to his disciples and calling them to model him and, and walk alongside of him. And we see layer after layer of Jesus becoming more complex and complete. And in the resurrection That Jesus we see now gets added a layer of complexity that reminds us we can follow Jesus for three years, we can read all 16 chapters, we can read all four versions of Jesus' life in the Gospels, we can read the New Testament, the Old Testament, we can read scholars and commentaries and have conversations and still be overwhelmed by the wonder and mystery of Jesus. At this point in my life, I know more about God than I ever have before. And I can see more clearly now the gulf and how wide it is between what I know and what there is yet to still discover about the beauty of my God in Jesus Christ. Eugene Peterson, theologian, author, pastor, author of the Message Translation of the Bible, says this about following Jesus. The way of Jesus cannot be imposed or mapped. It requires an active participation in following Jesus as he leads us through sometimes strange and unfamiliar territory, in circumstances that become clear only in the hesitations and questionings, in the pauses and reflections where we engage in prayerful conversation with one another and with him. Those who followed Jesus for three years and heard Jesus make explicit claims about his death and passing references to his resurrection still do not understand and are overwhelmed by the reality of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. They have no idea. In Luke, the resurrected Jesus explains it to two disciples for almost an entire day, going through the Old Testament and showing them passages about Jesus Christ being resurrected as Messiah, and they still don't understand until well into the night. Thomas hears about the resurrected Jesus and can't understand it or wrap his head around it unless he physically can touch the wounds on Jesus' body. The disciples are so sure of who Jesus was that when they discovered the resurrection and him being God resurrected, eternal, with his body, it reminds them that God is bigger than their understanding and that Jesus is bigger than their understanding. As we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, Let the moment of resurrection, let the memory of Easter celebration be that the God we serve is a God of wonder and mystery, that he takes what we expect and believe we understand, and he regularly expands it and deepens it and fills us with his wonder. Mark, in closing with wonder and mystery, reminds us that the resurrection itself is a demonstration of the wonder of God. And this isn't wonder for the sake of making me nervous and I don't understand God anymore. As C.S. Lewis writes in the Chronicles of Narnia, that he's a lion, he's good, but he's not safe. Wonder is to fill us with freedom. The freedom of realizing we are not the center of the universe. The freedom to realize we may never be able to understand it all, control it all, contain it all. If I've learned anything in the last year and a half of living through a global pandemic, is that we as humans, as smart and as controlled as we are, have so much less control than we think that we do over this world, over each other, over our own states of mind and body. And into that, God reveals how big, how deep, and how vast he is. And Jesus Christ reveals how big, how vast, and how deep he is. Mark intentionally emphasizes the mystery and awesomeness of the resurrection. The women were afraid because Jesus Christ rising from the dead means they misunderstood what he was doing. It means their understanding of life and death is now changed. It means their understanding of the future, eschatology, end times. All is now relevant in Jesus. It ends with a dramatic finish, emphasizing once again that Mark's story is not about a Jesus that we understand, but is about a Jesus with authority that we sit in awe of. We want Mark to end his story with clarity. Explain it to me, Mark. It's why they edited the ending. Give me clarity of what I'm supposed to do and what Jesus is doing and working. And I believe what Mark wants us to end his story with is simply, isn't Jesus awesome? Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he amazing? You read these 16 chapters. You saw how he has power over demonic spirits. You saw how he teaches with love and compassion. You saw how he heals and he walks on water and he multiplies bread and fish and he confronts evil powers that hurt others. He cares for the marginalized and then he conquers death itself. We don't need to understand it, we need to appreciate who he is and sit in awe and wonder of the Jesus we have. Having said all of that, you can give a counterpoint. Well, shouldn't it have ended then with singing and dancing, not fear and silence? Psalm 2, verses 10 through 11, give us a picture of God that we often miss in our understanding of Jesus. As the psalmist says, Now, therefore... O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Another reason why the women may be full of fear in this moment is the Jesus that they had lived with for three years saw his compassion and his care. They now realize it wasn't just Jesus, their friend, It was God in the flesh that they were interacting with. God, the creator of the universe, God with power, glory, and might is the Jesus that they knew and spent their life with. And their view of Jesus changed from correctly someone they love to now someone they worship with reverence and fear and awe. Maybe the problem with Mark's ending is not that he doesn't give us enough, But maybe that we've become too comfortable with the person and the majesty of Jesus. And we need to embrace him as a king and Lord and God we worship. Now Mark wants to finish the story of Jesus. And rather than us understand it, he wants us to trust Jesus. Mark reads like a persuasive piece all along. He demonstrates his authority and then he demonstrates his wisdom and then he demonstrates his obedience and now he demonstrates his power over the grave. And maybe for some of us, the resurrection of Jesus is the final piece that we're missing. Mary, Mary, and Salome come to Jesus in a mentality of death. They've brought burial spices to embrace the death of their loved one. And processing that death and losing loved ones physically is important for us as followers of God and as humans. It's why we have Good Friday. But they come into the resurrection with a mentality of death. They want to go and care for someone they've lost. And in their grief, they receive the wonder and mystery of the resurrection, that Jesus is alive. In a time of death, in a mentality of death, oftentimes our hope and our first step to healing is that our God is alive and moving and working. Many of us need to take a mentality of death that we've had for the last 16 months or so, a mentality of death of dreams or visions, comfortability, relationships, and and yes, of people, And we need to take one step into the hope of the resurrection that our God is alive and that Jesus Christ brings life eternal and life healing and life restoration for all times and that that resurrection by Jesus now lives in us and change our mentality of death and loss into a mentality of hope and belief in the resurrection. Our second point, we're moving into now is that what Mark wants us to do is to see his 16 chapter book and to see all of our life through the lens of the resurrection. That we see everything now through the resurrection lens. One of the theories of the gospel according to Mark that's really cool is that Mark is meant to be read multiple times. It's why it's short. It's why it flows. It begins with a dramatic declaration that Jesus is the Son of God, and it ends with a dramatic display that Jesus is the Son of God with power over death, and that we read the resurrection story, and as the angel tells us to return to Galilee, we start back in Galilee in chapter 1 as Jesus enters, and now we read the story of Mark through the lens of the resurrection. Galilee is where the story began, where Jesus declared himself king, where Jesus revealed his power and authority, and Mark is telling us, read the story again, understanding Jesus as God resurrecting, and see this all through that lens. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 declares about Jesus. This is Paul writing to a Roman church. He says about Jesus, he was shown, to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mark says, you now see that he is God raised from the dead. Now see his story through that lens. The time we see Jesus blessed and claimed by God from the very beginning in Mark chapter one, it says, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. We see through the resurrection, the declaration that Jesus is God. In Galilee, as we read it again, Jesus doesn't just miraculously feed thousands. When he spreads out the feast, the desert becomes green grass. And now we see the shadows and reminders that this is the Messiah. This is God performing miraculous feats and feeding his people. In Galilee, Jesus doesn't just perform incredible magic tricks by walking on water. He calms chaos and he takes on the divine name, I Am. Yahweh. In Galilee, the disciples see Jesus transfigured on the mountaintop and surrounded by the presence of God. We look at Galilee, we see that every appearance of Jesus is a foreshadowing of his resurrection. In chapter 2, Jesus takes Peter's sick mother-in-law by the hand and raises her up. She is healed. In the same chapter, he calls a paralyzed man to raise up, and he gets up, takes his mat, and goes home. In chapter 5, Jesus raises a child from the dead. Talitha kum, he says, little girl, get up. In chapter 9, he takes a little boy who cannot speak or hear, raises him up, and heals him. When we go back to Jesus in Galilee, we see that he is about healing and resurrection all along. We see the work of Jesus as bringing life back to what is dead, of Jesus healing the broken world and making right what is wrong. We see Jesus expel the forces of evil, unite heaven and earth in his presence, and teach us to believe in him. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is an idea that in Mark, Jesus never waits, never waits around. He never wastes time. He's always moving and he's active. And in the resurrection, we see still Jesus unable to wait. He's not there. He can't wait around. In fact, it's like he leaves his angel assistant there sitting behind, and the women arrive, and the assistant's there, and he's like, hi, ladies. You're a little late. Jesus is already gone. He's on to his next mission, but he left me here to just explain to you. He's going to meet you in Galilee so you can get there. Also, how do you like your coffee? Cream and sugar? Where do you want me to get it? Follow Jesus. I'm going to take this for you. Jesus is so on the move that he's not even there in the grave. They have to go and find him. He's already ahead of them in Galilee. Jesus has too much to do to wait in the grave and be dead. Mark says, The story I have told you should so convince you that Jesus is God in the flesh. The resurrection should prove to you that he was God all along and he has come to conquer this world. Now go and tell and get back to work. Revisit the story through the lens of the resurrection. Revisit your life through the lens of the resurrection. He is not here. He is at work again. And he is calling us to be at work alongside of him. Tell the story. Tell the story in the completeness that we now understand Jesus to be. Coming in in chapter 1 rising from the dead in chapter 16. Jesus Christ, our King who is a servant, our God who conquers death. And the angel tells them, you will find Jesus back in Galilee, doing what he did before and empowering you to now do it as well. You will find Jesus in Galilee. You will find him among the poor, You will find him with the sick. You will find him caring for the broken and the marginalized. Being people of power now, embracing the resurrection that Jesus now promises us, That if we trust in him and we embrace his power, his resurrection is ours as well. And we will live forever and death will not touch us. We will close our eyes on this earth and we will open them in eternity. And the power that lives in Jesus now lives in us by his Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, now you go back to Galilee and you spend your time among the poor and marginalized. You spend your time healing those who are sick you spend your time fixing what is broken. The cross shows power being laid down to serve others in need. The resurrection is our call to embrace that power, that power to lay down our lives and serve those in need. Now, how do we see the world through the resurrection? How do I return to Galilee different? How am I changed by chapter 16 and eight short verses? How do I now see the world through the lens of the resurrection? How do I see death now knowing that my fear of death is conquered in Jesus Christ? How do I face my eternity now? What power now resides in me? What hope and peace for the future now rests in me? How do I view healing and physical ailments of this world now that I know there is a resurrection and a God with power over this world? How do I view every situation that I've looked at without hope, frustrating and pessimistic, now knowing that even the grave God can conquer? And how do I live my life with hope, and with joy and with expectation that my God rules and reigns forever. How do we see the wonder of God in every moment of our lives? The wonder of God in nature as we see a sunrise, as we experience the beauty of trees and mountains and streams and fresh air. How do we experience the wonder of relationships of laughter shared, forgiveness given and received, of memories of love and value and care. How do we see all that is lost and broken now through the lens of all that can be restored and healed and eternal? In Mark, we don't get a lot of explanation, but we get the sense of power and wonder and a challenge now to see our world through the lens of the resurrection of Jesus Christ will you just embrace with me in this moment and i'm going to give you just a chance just a moment to take the resurrection and view it back into your life to invite Jesus to just speak with you today about the power of hope and the power of life eternal and the power of the God we serve in Jesus. Wherever you are, just meditate with me. If you're watching this on a phone, if you're watching this at home, wherever you are, just get into a position and let's together embrace the resurrection of our God. Take this time of wherever your life is in this moment and look at it through the lens of the resurrection. Invite the power, the eternity, and the hope of Jesus to now speak into every situation of your life, your job your family, your body, your future, your past. What does it look like through the lens of new life out of what has died? What does it look like through the wonder and power of an eternal God of resurrection? And now allow God just to fill you with a sense of wonder. In this moment, in this Easter, allow Him to fill you with wonder and joy. That wherever you are in your journey, wherever you are in this moment, maybe you've served God for decades, you've read your scriptures a lot, or maybe you're new at this whole experience. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you that you are still just at the very beginning of knowing the greatness and goodness and power of the God you are seeking. And know that he wants to reveal more and more of himself into you. If you're watching this today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus that you can say confidently that, you're not confident about your eternity or the resurrection, I want you to know that in one moment, in one prayer, you can begin that journey of confidence in the resurrection, that journey of confidence in the relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'll invite you just to pray that prayer with me today and take that step forward, if you'll pray with me. Jesus, as we look at the story of your life and the power of your resurrection, I want to follow you and know you, Jesus. I need your resurrection power in my life. I don't know where I'm going on the other side of this physical world. I need your resurrection and new life in me. Jesus, I believe that you lived on this earth as man and God. You took my sins upon yourself on the cross, that you died in my place and that you rose from the grave on the third day, that you resurrected with power and life eternal. You gave your life for me, and you conquered death eternally. Today I give my life to you, trusting in you and trusting in the promise of your resurrection. Will you be my savior and king? In the name of Jesus, amen. If you prayed that for the first time today, just click one of the links around here and let us know. We would love to celebrate with you and walk alongside of you as you discover the beauty and power of our resurrected King in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me this Easter. Happy resurrection and celebrating the new life in Jesus.